Praise God, it's so good to have you. Welcome. And to those who are watching, it's great to have you too. Thanks for being with us. Proverbs 13, 11 says, Dishonest money will dwindle away, but whoever gathers it little by little will make it grow. And um, the New Living Bible says this, Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears, but wealth from hard work grows over time. And uh, various other scriptures have, uh, versions have different portions of that. My gut is this idea of, um, wouldn't it be cool if there was a way to learn how to play piano in one afternoon? Like, I would really be after that. I'd be like, yeah, I'd love to play piano. Or drums. I'd like to play drums. Like, in one hour, you could learn drums. Or you could lose 20 pounds. Oh, huh? In one hour. It's like, we're, we're, we're like, yeah. But when we talk about that stuff, we intuitively know that doesn't happen. The only way you lose 20 pounds is in one hour is you lose a limb or something. You know, it's not, it doesn't happen that quickly. Um, somehow, though, we're, we're susceptible to the charge that you, there is a get-rich-quick scheme, that there is a shortcut to, to wealth, that wealth comes through magic, through this. There is a shortcut somewhere. And we spend a lot of our lives kind of hoping we can find that shortcut. The scripture says that um, money that comes dishonestly will quickly disappear. It's almost like there's, a, there's magic dust sprinkled on dis dishonest money and that you can gather as much of it as you can, but it's, it's dissolving as quickly as it is. Money that comes little by little, especially money that comes from hard work, little by little, oh, heaven smiles on that. And he starts to compound his blessing on that kind of money. There's almost like a, a, the, the heaven's favor dust is sprinkled on money that's earned little by little. And Paul talks about this when he talks about giving. He says there's a way to give. He says, listen, rather than when you've made a promise, rather than going, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not give right now. I'm just going to wait. And then in that month when it's due, I'm going to give a whole chunk. He said, this is my counsel to you. Take a little portion proportionately and, and just put it aside every, every week, little by little so that when the moment comes, you're ready. So this, I'm intrigued by this little by little. It's, uh, it's better to do a thousand little actions of faithfulness than one great big action of faithfulness followed by long seasons of unfaithfulness. Does that make sense? Yeah. One day's fast does not make up for the previous three months of carbo-loading. I got on the scale the other day and I realized the full armor of God really weighs a lot. You, you notice that? Man, this full, the full armor of God is weighing me down. <clears throat> no, joke. Little by little, little by little is God's way. So I'm just going to encourage you. Just do something right. Just do a little thing that you know is faithful. Just be a little generous and do it every day. Little by little, the righteous will prosper, the scripture says. We're going to invite you to give to uh, the church and to uh, whoever else the Lord leads you to give uh, as you feel led by the Lord to do so. There's a couple of ways to do that, and uh, we just really appreciate you.
I've been so jazzed about this uh, sermon series, the in series that we've been talking about. We started last week with a series talking about being in Christ. And then we're gonna continue today with that, just, uh, just seeing the riches of what it means. This idea that being in Christ is the dominant way that the scriptures speak about somebody who's come to faith. It doesn't call you a believer. It doesn't call you a Christian. Sometimes it calls you saints, but most of the times it calls you in Christ. Just in Paul's writing, 164 times he talks about being in Christ. Only three times does the scripture mention being Christians. But this being in Christ is a big deal, especially in Pauline theology. This understanding that if you're in Christ, a whole new world is unlocked to you, but if you're not in Christ, doesn't matter what you're doing, doesn't matter how righteous you are, it doesn't matter all the things that you think you are doing perfectly, you have not yet been made holy. So it's very important to understand this concept because it comes to us by faith and not by our working towards making ourselves acceptable to God. So many people believe that this idea that if I could work well enough, then I can qualify myself for God's favor, and it simply isn't true. That is the favorite doctrine of religion, and it's unfortunately completely wrong. Every religion in the world celebrates that doctrine. If you adhere to our system, it will help you get right into the favor of God, and the favor of God is only earned one way, by faith in Jesus. When you believe, you have his favor. If you don't, you don't. So, um, so many important doctrines, so many theological concepts are discussed by theologians as though this is something that happens to us outside of being in Christ. But I think the scriptures talk about all these magnificent doctrines, everything God ever planned, every dream God ever had for you, every moment of blessing, every, every scintilla of favor, God built it so that it would come to you when you came into Christ. And if, you don't, if you're not in Christ, you don't experience that. So let me just, I just wanna show you, this is for free. This is not even, this is just, I was just reading through Ephesians 1 and, and you have to read this, but I'm, because there's Ephesians 1 full of these heady, profound, theological, deep arguments that everybody has. And what I want you to see is not the depth of the theology, but I want you to see how often Paul writes about this magnificent beauty is in Christ. And this thing that God prepared for you, that's in Jesus. And, and, and this profound moment is, is in Christ. So let's just read this. Ephesians 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now people don't, don't read the in Christ piece. Of oh, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. No, in Christ he blessed you with every spiritual blessing. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. If you don't read the in him, you go, God chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. So you go, you know, God knew and he chose me. No, God chose us as a group in him. If you're in Jesus, you were chosen. If you're not in Jesus, you weren't chosen. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one that he loves. In the one that he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood. Do you, do you, get, do you feel the weight of it? This is in him. 
Is this not outside of him? <clears throat> we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. For he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when times will have reached their fulfillment to bring in unity all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him you were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in the conformity of the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glorious. And you were also included in Christ when you heard this message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed you were marked in him. <laughs> with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You have uh, come to a place where you must, undiscover, uh, must discover and understand that there is uh, two options for mankind. You're either in Christ by faith or you're outside of Christ by unbelief. You either believe and accept the beautiful work of Jesus, which was motivated by God's love for you. Yeah, you can't miss the love of God. God so loved the world that he gave his own son. God's love for you, his overwhelming heartbeat for people. He desires that no one should perish. God loves people. He created us. He loves us. And he sent his only son to die because God looked down and saw that there was no one righteous, no one, no one, because Adam had committed sin and everybody born of Adam was born as a slave to sin. There was not one of us that God looked down on and said, they will be able to meet the standards of holiness because I require perfection of holiness. And none of them is gonna be able to make it. And so he said, okay, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna teach them, we're gonna show them, we're gonna make it manifest to them. Get them into this place where they completely understand we are hopeless and then I'm gonna send my son. And he's gonna live and then everybody who believes in him can share his righteousness. And so God gave the law and he said, okay, guys, here's the standard. Oh, and guys, try to meet it. And they kept failing. And there were a few who were still so dozy that they actually thought they made it. And they said, oh, we've done it. And Jesus said, no, 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 you've heard it said, don't, uh, don't, uh, don't kill. But I'm telling you if, you, if you say to someone in anger, you fool, you've already killed them in your heart. Jesus just took the law, the perfection of holiness to the, to the Pharisees who thought they were holy and he just showed them how far short they were falling because that was the purpose of the law to show you, you can't do it. But religion is completely blind to the shouting voice of God. You cannot do it. So God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who are under the law and Jesus lived a perfect sinless life. And the righteous requirements of the law, he perfectly met. And he died a substitutionary death. And he was raised again to life so that now anyone who believes in him is given life and the righteousness of God as a free gift. Now we are holy and blameless in his sight because we're in him. As Ephesians says, in love he predestined us in him to be holy and blameless in his sight. If you're in Christ, you are holy and blameless in his sight. Not because you have now suddenly found perfection in the way you live, but because when you believed, you were treated like Jesus. God treated Jesus like you deserved so that he can treat you like Jesus deserves. Amen? I like this gospel. God treated Jesus as we deserve so that he can treat those of us who believe and receive Jesus like he deserves. 
So you're, only, you're either in or you're out of Christ. The real issue is not an incremental march, but an instantaneous transformation from outside to inside. From far to near, from death to life, from wrath to love, from condemnation to no condemnation, sin to holiness, enemy to friend, stuck to soaring, temporary to eternal, hopeless to hopeful, horrendous to holy, guilty to acquitted, to prison to free, instant by faith. And all the treasures of heaven are in Jesus. They're not unlocked by him, they're in him. If you remain in him, they're all yours. Everything God intended, every blessing, every bit of favor, every bit of grace is in him. And you came into him by your faith. And you say, Greg, I can't believe that's too good to be true. Surely God demands action. Aren't there scriptures that say I should behave? Yes, once you're in him. There's a lot of things you need to learn once you're in Christ, but you cannot try and take all the things that are, that are spoken to believers once you're in Christ and try and apply them when you're outside of Christ. Because it's only in Christ that you become a brand new creation. Everything inside of you is revolutionized. You became a brand new being. And we spoke about this last week. When you come into Christ, everything about your person, who you are, was radically changed. You were crucified with Jesus. You died with Jesus. You were circumcised by Jesus. You were buried with Jesus. You were made alive with him. You were blessed with every spiritual blessing. You were washed and sanctified and justified. All of those things, the Bible says, already happened in your life life. Nothing has remained the same when you believed and you were put into Christ. Because the moment you believe, the Bible says the Holy Spirit took you and he submerged you. He baptized you into the body of Christ. You have been hidden in Christ. And then the Bible says, and he sealed you in Christ. And he never views you from that second onward as anything but in Christ. Now, the enemy would love to get you in your thinking to, to come out of Christ again. The enemy hates the fact that you're in Christ, and so he always tries to speak to you as though you're not in Christ. You're not worthy. Yeah, I used to be horrendously not worthy, but I'm in Christ now. You've messed up. That absolutely was true, but I was washed, I was sanctified, I was justified. Everything about your person has been revolutionized. Everything about your position has changed. The Bible says you were chosen by God, you were given light and understanding, you were given grace, you were baptized into Jesus, you were raised and seated with him in heavenly places, you were sealed in him. All of this about your position has changed. Your, everything about your person, you have become a brand new creation. Everything about your position has changed. You have been given a brand new place to live and to be and to work in the kingdom. Everything about you has become new. And it didn't happen because you stopped swearing. Although that's a good thing. Does it make sense? Greg said we could swear. No, I did not. I did not say that. I'm just telling you, your salvation wasn't based on that reality. Some of you are longing to say praise God, but you don't want to out yourselves. The, the, this is the truth. When I came into Christ, everything about me changed. 
and I have learned a new way of living, letting the truth about who I am be demonstrated in my lifestyle. The truth of my being is demonstrated in the way of my being because everything inside of me changed. All my values changed. All my longings changed. A brand new love filled my life. I have become new and I've, ha I've had to learn to throw off old habits and learn to curb my tongue and learn to show the love that's inside of me. And that process of learning to, to manifest who I am, that's part that the Bible speaks to all the time. Throw off what belongs to your old, embrace what belongs to your new, be made new in the attitude of your mind. Put off, train yourself to godliness. All of these are admonitions of the scripture, but they come because I'm in Christ, not to get me to become in Christ. So we spoke about your person, we spoke about your position, and now I wanna speak about your prospects. I'm just wondering if we, uh, there you go. When I say prospects, I mean your potential and your possibilities, your, the, the promise that lies ahead for you. Because you were brought into Jesus, and therefore, because God put you into Jesus, God qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. Please hear this. You've got to hear this. You didn't qualify you to share in the inheritance of the saints. God qualified you because you believed in His Son. And He said, this is my Son whom I love. Listen to Him. And anybody who embraces Jesus has the favor of God on them. And if you come into Christ by your faith, God says, I'm qualifying you to share in everything that is in Christ. Now, if God qualified you, don't you dare listen to anybody who's trying to disqualify you. Hear me? Listen to this. Anybody who's trying to disqualify you for the inheritance of God is not working with the Father because the Father qualified you. And you can tell them that from me. Colossians 1, for this reason, since the day I heard about you, have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with his knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power through his glorious might, so that you have a great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Past tense, when you believed, the Father qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. When you believed, he qualified you. This means that when you walk up to the quartermaster, everything is yours. I went, I was, I was called up to the military. So I went and, and day one that you, they, they line you up and there's this big warehouse. And they go, okay, hold out your hands. Then they give you two blankets for your bed and three sheets and a pillow. Then they bid you three pairs of uh, uniform, three pants, three shirts, jackets, one jumper, one beret, one bush hat. And then, and then one rifle and 60 rounds of ammunition and then, and then and then a steel helmet, and then webbing. Feels like you just put it down in a pile, come back for more, and there's just this warehouse of stuff. What's your size? Boom. When you come into the kingdom, there is an unimaginable wealth in every direction that you can possibly imagine, and you are qualified to share in that. And everything you need, because the Bible says you were blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. 
And God said, anybody who comes into my son, let me tell you what's gonna happen. They're gonna be holy and blameless in my sight. And I'm gonna, pre, I'm gonna predestine them to conform to his image. And I'm gonna bless them with every spiritual blessing. And I'm gonna confer my authority upon them. And, and I'm gonna say yes to every promise I ever made. Do you understand? <laughs> We've talked many times that whenever the Holy Spirit whispers about our inheritance in the New Testament, he always uses superlatives. Try this out. Whenever the Holy Spirit gets near to your inheritance, he goes, oh, the, the incomparable riches of a glorious inheritance. This is the Holy Spirit talking. <laughs> you, you and I know some, some people who are just, everything's amazing. Oh, Darling, it's beautiful, it's amazing, it's, it's, it's godly. And you go, no, it's just a, it's just a pastry. Don't, you know, if you, you know, it's not that impressive. You know some people like that. I, I know some people like that, but, I, but I, I deal with words. And the Holy Spirit is the wordsmith of, his, of the scriptures. And so when the Holy Spirit starts getting effusive and goes into superlatives about your inheritance, you've got to know. Says, I'm intrigued. What, what stirs the Holy Spirit to excitement? He goes, your inheritance. In, in Jesus, it's just astounding. Because he's the executor. He's the one standing in the land going, what do you need, what do you need? What's your size? Ephesians 1, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you and the riches of the glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. I pray, Paul says, I'm praying for you. You need your heart expanded. You need supernatural wisdom and understanding. I'm praying that God give it to you so that you can stretch your faith muscles around this incredibly great inheritance that I have qualified you for and the incomparably great power of God that's made available to you. And you know what happens? Religion says, oh, 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 don't you dare believe that. No, 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 you have to earn every step of that. And friends, you don't. You can believe for every step of that. That comes by faith. The scriptures show that once you come into Christ, you came in through the door, you entered the promised land of all blessings and all, of all the promises God has ever made, there is this reverberating yes in Christ. No matter how many promises God has made, Paul says, they have become yes to you in Christ. All the favor that we lacked, all the skills that we needed, every break we never had that came in our direction is now coming towards us. And, in, and above it all, the great love of God and beneath our feet, the great love of God. We're here because he loved us. And the Bible says, if, if God did not hold his own son back from you because of his love, how much more do you think that along with him, he won't give you all things? I'm not making this up. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. God wants to give it to you. Holy Spirit's standing there going, what's your size? There's a wide open, unimagined blessing and potential, a land of immense possibilities, the continually reverberating yes to every promise. And that's why Paul says, because the Corinthians are having this fight about, well, I belong to Paul. I listen to Apollos. And I follow Peter. Paul goes, why am I having this discussion? Lift up your eyes. You're all in Christ. You guys are haggling 
about a little space around a leader. Lift up your eyes. You're in Christ. And he says this, don't boast about men. All things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present, all things to come, all are yours. You are in Christ and Christ is of God. What are you talking about? I follow Paul. Guys, forget Paul. Look at this. It's all yours. So how then should I live? If, if that's true, Greg, if I've stepped into this land of great possibility, your faith unlocked a whirlwind of supernatural transformation. Everything became new. Wide open spaces with no fences in sight can freak some people out. That's why people are susceptible to legalism's boundaries. Don't drink, don't touch, don't taste. They seem to create a sense of security. Oh, I, I know what's right now. I'm on this side of the line. Man, there's been a lot of boundary drawing in, the least, in recent years. <laughs> Can I just step on some toes? All things are yours. Democrat, Republican, rich, poor, all things are yours. You think the kingdom of God is limited down to small issues and fights of men? The kingdom is so much bigger and everything is yours and you wanna limit yourself to some tiny little perspective. Stop it. Everything's yours. And you're of Christ and Christ is in God. And there is, there is possibility for you, endless possibility for you, in every single direction, in everything you can imagine. In fact, the Bible says God can do more than you can imagine, in every single direction, at every level. And the answer is to walk. You say, well, Greg, what, what should I do now? This is this wide open space. Well, find somebody that you trust. Find a group of believers that are walking with God. Look and see that you like the fruit in the person's life. Do they love God with all their heart? Do they love other people? Are they walking in humility? Do they love the word of God? Are they listening to the Holy Spirit? If you find a group of people like that, join them and walk with them. This sign up to community is not a cute little thing we're trying to do here. We're just saying, guys, this will help you in your walk within Christ. What should I do if I come into the kingdom? Find that group of believers and love them and walk with them. Commit yourself to being discipled. Well, I don't need to be discipled. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. It's gonna take you a lot longer. I learned how to shoot a handgun. Somebody gave me a handgun. I said, this, you know, the pointy end is dangerous. You know, pointed away from you. And that's about all I knew. And I shot and the, the thing recoiled and cut my hand. And I figured out that's not the way to shoot this gun. Held it differently. If only had somebody had come and said, listen, don't hold it like that. It's going to hurt you. Could have saved myself a couple of weeks of healing. I don't need anybody to teach me. Okay, okay. The pointy end's the dangerous one. <laughs> Stuff happens in this kingdom. Just because 
everything is yours doesn't mean you and I don't need to learn. Doesn't mean we're not enrolled in a process here. Doesn't mean that I can't, I, this, in every direction I look, I just see, Lord, I, I need your help, Holy Spirit, teach me about this. So listen for wisdom. So what would I do in this great, beautiful place of being in Christ? Listen for wisdom. This is what I feel like, Jesus, you, you come into Christ, you know, the door says, in Christ, you step in, wow, and it's just, brah, wide open space in every direction. And I feel like this is what you hear. Welcome to your inheritance. There is so much to experience. There are so many things to learn. Listen for my wisdom. So many things to learn and grow in. It's such a vast inheritance, and you can start almost anywhere and run in any direction that blows your hair back, and you'll still never reach the end. Because there is more in God for you than you can imagine. This, I feel like, is the underpinning heartbeat of Northlands. It kind of is in the presupposition of every message we preach here. There is more for you in God. But it's going to be a learning process. And God enrolled you in his kingdom and he qualified you for inheritance because he also wanted to enroll you in a process of discovery, of learning, and of growth in yourself. It's a simple truth that those who seem eager to learn grow faster than others who don't. The people who sit there with the I dare you to bless me attitude grow slowly. And I'm not saying, it's just, I'm just telling you a truth. I tell you a truth. The people who want to learn, who ask questions, grow like weeds in the kingdom. Experience stuff. Corinthians 2. This is Paul speaking to the the babies in Christ. I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you with weakness and great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Why? So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Well, I don't think we should trust our faith on on miracles and the power of God. Well, that's what Paul said he did. We do, however, we do, however, have a message of wisdom among the mature. But not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. We declare God's wisdom, a mystery kept hidden and God destined for our glory before time began. There is a wisdom that God wants to give those, and it's the message of wisdom on how to walk well, how to walk wisely in your inheritance. There are so many messages that that religion preaches. Don't do this, don't do that. But for those who believe in the gospel of grace, there are things that are going to help us and things that are gonna hinder us. Once you're in Christ, the simple truth is, Some messages are going to bind you up and some messages are going to set you free. Now, you're never free to run around and sin. There are messages of foolishness and there are messages of wisdom. Paul says, you were babies, so I gave you milk, Jesus and him crucified, but I do have a message of maturity, wisdom for the mature. I do have other things. I do talk about, hey, hey, watch out for this, and if you're gonna trust God for healing, here's a a couple of things you need to know. Oh, and in your finances, you may wanna do this, and and, and, hey, if you're gonna pursue God, and and here's some things that are gonna help you hear God's voice. There are many messages of wisdom that are important for you to learn, and if you're hungry, man, we can teach you stuff, and you can grow like weeds. In your, in, in your walk with the Lord, but you have to desire it. 
Corinthians 6, 2, Paul says, all things, this is King James, I like this version, all things are lawful for me, but not all are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I'll not be brought under the power of any. Many people try to make the message of God's grace an opportunity for sin, but true freedom, it, 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 the Bible says it's for freedom that Christ set you free. It's not for sin that he set you free. He didn't set you free from the law so you can run out and sin. He set you free completely so that you can walk well. And in order for you to walk well and manifest all the beauty and the victory that Jesus has put inside of you, there's some messages of wisdom. Watch out for that. Well, I'm allowed to do that? Yep, you are. But there are some freedoms that are best handled by mature people. That's why there's an age restriction on driving car and drinking alcohol and many other freedoms that we reserve for adults. A 10-year-old probably has the dexterity ability to drive a car, but we don't let them drive cars. While everything is yours in Christ, a hunger for wisdom and for teaching so that you can grow up in it is important. So listen for wisdom. Gather around you a group of people who, who are going in the same direction. Walk with them. It's important, friends. And you know what, in this COVID season, a lot of people have felt, I, I don't actually have to hang out with people. I can just sit in my home and I can have access to all the teaching I want. Yeah, but teaching's only a fraction of what it really means to grow up in your faith. Some of it means to deal with obnoxious people. And you have to bear with one another in love and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. And you have to serve people when you don't feel like serving them. And you have to love people when they're being obnoxious. And you grow up into him who is the head by speaking the truth in love. Amen? So there's a process here of growth. It's not just, oh, I, I got the right input. You're gonna need to persevere. <laughs> People say, oh, I love this message about this profound beauty. Yeah, but when you came into this land and God qualified you for it, he also enrolled you in a learning process. And part of your learning process is that every now and again, you're gonna face some tests. And we've spoken about this before. We understand that the dealings of God are, are in our life are driven by his dreams. It's because God has a great dream for your life that he deals with you. Because you're deviating from his dream. He goes, no, 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 come back here. Oh, yeah, this is the way. And it's, and it's his delight in you that drives his discipline. That's what the scripture says. He disciplines us like a father, the child that he delights in. God's delight drives his discipline of you. Oh, God hates me. That's why he's disciplining me. That's why there's tough times in my life. No, no, no. His dealings and his discipline are driven by his delight and his dream for you. Oh, I wish I could box that and inject it into your heart, because that's the absolute truth, scripturally. So God enrolled you in a training program, why? I've heard the lesson, yeah, but, but it's not proven in your life, so A, you've taken the pop quiz, and B, you've manifested it in your lifestyle. I've heard how I should love people. Well then, good. Now come over here, and go preach to the Ninevites. I'm, I'm, I'm not preaching to the Ninevites. I'd rather be swallowed by a whale. <laughs> Can be arranged. <laughs> it's not all going to be sunshine and ease. 
And although you're called to a massive inheritance and though all is yours and it will never be retracted from you, you and I are gonna have to face and learn and in a process in this land. Being in Christ doesn't mean that it's all sunshine. All sunshine and no rain makes a desert. The old Arab proverb should be anyway. James 1, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work in you so that you can be mature and complete and not lack anything. Perseverance must, must finish its work in you. Well, I want to walk into all the promises of God. Good. It's going to require perseverance. Well, I'm just going to be like Abraham. Good. The Bible says through faith and patience he inherited I thought you said it's all mine. It is, but you have to grow up into it. I don't buy my five-year-old a brand new motor car and say, have fun. We're gonna have to persevere and push through and believe when we can't see and rely on God's voice when other voices seem closer or more reasonable or offer an easier path. Perseverance must finish its work in you. And if any of you lacks wisdom, that scripture goes on. It says, but, and if you lack wisdom, ask God. He loves to provide wisdom generously without finding fault. The wisdom is in the context of you being under pressure. I'm under pressure. Holy Spirit, what should I do? Come here, let me teach you. This is how you handle this one. God hates me. He's punishing me. No, the Holy Spirit just set up a thing so he can give you victory. And he wants to teach you. Come here. One Peter. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that's come on you to test you as though something strange was happening to you. Peter says, why, why are you guys, there's a fiery ordeal you're going through and you think it's strange. Why, why do you think it's strange? Well, I want to bear kingdom weight. Well, good. If you want to bear kingdom weight, let me show you how you get there. I want rank in the kingdom. Good. Let me show you how generals are made. They walk through the fire. They come under pressure. They face accusation, slander. People saying things behind their back is not true. They are mocked and ridiculed and, just, and not listened to and they prove faithful in the secret places. That's how you grow and you have to persevere. Uh-oh. Amen? But none of these pressures and none of these tests has any power to remove you from the kingdom or disqualify you from your inheritance. We grow stronger and firmer in our conviction and less impressed with the world and we become done with sin. That's all what the Bible says, that's what happens. No wonder James says, consider it pure joy. Why, because all of this magnificence is happening to you. You have to persevere. Churchill said, if you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep going, right? Lastly, grow. There are a bunch of things that the New Testament says we can grow in, and I'm gonna be quick. There's a journey, there's a plan, there's a maturation process. God means for us to bear great eternal fruit, and it comes from our connection from being in Jesus and our ongoing growth as believers. Some, like the tribes of Gad and Reuben, wanna stop short, and we'll just make this our promised land, but God says, come on in, there's so much more. And the, I don't I know how many years you've been, you know, some people do the first three years of the Christian walk and they grow like weeds, and then they repeat that same, that fourth year, the next 30 years in a row. You know what I'm talking about? 
because they just decide, well, I know enough, this is enough, this is enough service, this is enough sacrifice, this is, I, I've, I've, yeah, I'm gonna level off here. And they go around the mountain the same year, 30 times. Help us, that's worse than death to me. Let's grow. And the Bible says a number of things, this is not an exhaustive list, you can grow into Jesus. In all things will grow up into him as the head. You grow in your salvation. You can grow in your faith. There's a number of scriptures about that. You can grow in the knowledge of God. You can grow in grace. Grow in all those things. Once you find out you're in Christ and you start to be led by the Holy Spirit into this magnificent inheritance, you know what starts to happen? He starts to whisper about not only who you are in Christ, but he starts to whisper about who he calls you to be in his kingdom. Welcome. You get who you are in Christ. Do you get the unbelievable wealth that you have at your disposal? Do you get the massive transformation that happened in your life because you believed, yeah, I know who I am in Christ. He goes, good. Let's talk about who you are in the kingdom. Let's talk about the role I've assigned to you. Let's talk about the good works that I plan in advance for you to do. Let's talk about your desires and your dreams. Let's talk about how you and I can run together and produce eternal fruit. Let's talk about you and your role in the kingdom. Finding out who you are in Christ is very important. Securing that identity in your head and in your heart, very important. Finding out who you are in the kingdom equally as important. Getting that settled in your head and heart, vital. In two weeks' time, we're gonna be talking about that, who you are in the kingdom. Next week, Wendy Backlund's gonna be with us. Looking forward to that. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your kindness. The inestimable gift, Lord. Paul said the indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Truly, Lord, us coming into your son has been to us the greatest metamorphosis of our life, radical transformation, brand new, completely washed, completely restored. Father, we give you honor and praise. And I pray, Lord, that every person in this place today would settle in this understanding in Jesus' name. Amen.